Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout-out before we begin to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. Before we get started, I'd also like to give a huge shout-out to my awesome patrons who support me over on patreon.com slash quarantine. So thank you to my awesome patrons, Mr. Big Bents and Anomaly, for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show too, and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. Also, this is the last week that I'm going to be doing my giveaway for your choice of a Innistrad Midnight Hunt Commander deck. All you need to do if you're interested in entering is go on over to twitter.com slash quarantine, find the giveaway post, and make sure to like and retweet the post as well as follow my Twitter account. If you're interested in getting a bonus entry, you can also listen to my 100th episode and give a comment on the giveaway post with your answer to the prompt included in the episode. Again, the contest ends on September 3rd, which is this Friday, so make sure to get your entries in now. And again, you can find all that information at twitter.com slash quarantine. Speaking of Innistrad, Innistrad Midnight Hunt, Mark Rosewater just came out with his latest Tumblr post regarding some of those old, like, Duelist-style teasers that he really loves doing. And, as usual, it wouldn't make sense for me to just talk to you for about 20 minutes about whatever I think is going to be in the set. It makes sense for myself and a guest to talk about things for about 20 to 30 minutes on what we think is going to be in the awesome set. So, my guest here needs no introduction. He's my fellow flannel fancier. Got that right this time. Mono Whiteboarder, a.k.a. Peter. Welcome to the show. So, Mark Rosewater just came out with the Tumblr post about Midnight Hunt. We're a couple weeks out from the set being dropped. And there's just a whole lot of interesting stuff that I think we want to unpack in like the next 30 minutes here. So, again, if you haven't taken a chance, as a listener, if you haven't taken a chance to be able to see this stuff, it's available on Tumblr. We can post this in the show notes. And hopefully there will be some interesting stuff coming out in the spoiler season in the next couple of weeks before the set drops. But again, since Peter and I have done a few of these already, it just makes sense for us to talk about them for you and for your general enjoyment and make complete fools of ourselves, I suppose. So without further ado, I think that it makes the most sense since I have Mono Whiteboarder on here to talk about a white card that could potentially draw you a card each turn. Now, again, Peter, we were talking about this before the show that we've been getting a lot of these kinds of effects lately on a lot of different white cards. You go back, you Esper Sentinel, search the premises, uh, just a lot of things that just kind of feel like they have draw cards stapled to them. And I mean, well, it is interesting. And while we are interested in seeing what this condition is, I guess I'm kind of curious to see if this is more you know, in flavor with what white does, or it just feels like white's trying to catch up. What are your thoughts? They've really come through on their promise to help improve white's card draw. Uh, we went how long, you know, with uh, really the community at large begging for more white card draw. And now we have really gotten at least one piece of new card draw each set. And I feel as though they've been getting progressively better since Mingara was spoiled last year in M21. Like you said, there's Search the Premises, Esper Sentinel from Modern Horizons, um, 
There is Thorough Investigation, which was just came out in Adventures for the Forgotten Realms. Face Steed came out in The Commander. We had a whole podcast on that. Uh, Flumph, for instance, Flump, as well. Yep. Uh, Secret Rendezvous. I mean, it's just we have been blessed with a plethora of options for card draw, which is really great. I've been preaching that the biggest issue that White has is redundancy. Other creators like Commander Replay and uh, Kristen have also been spouting the same thing of the issue with white isn't that we don't have things it's that we don't have redundancy for the things that we do have so i am excited to get another piece of card draw in white it's a little bit less of a teaser i feel like anymore it's almost like i I have what i expect it now which is really cool but um feels weird doesn't it yeah it it's like Oh, okay, we're here. I know, I'm going to become obsolete when white becomes the best color and uh, <laughs> everyone's just building mono white decks. <laughs> so, so so I guess at that point we're going to have to call you mono silver border because you're going to say we're all, all going to need to start running all those uncards from Infinity next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll be uh, or mono gold border <laughs> like we're, Bradley was saying earlier. We're going to have to <laughs> figure out a new mantra. We're going to have to replace you, unfortunately. Either that or you're going to end up having to start going and talking about how blue is ends up being the weakest color somehow, which, as we know, is never going to happen, but you, you kind of get the idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I am... The one thing I will say, and we talked about this pre-show, I still feel like what Wizards has kind of perfected so far this year from what I've seen is while it's giving white tons of options for card draw it's still the worst at card draw. Like those card draw options that we are getting um, are reliant on either your opponents or they're reliant on a difficult condition that needs to be met. It's not just free cards. It's not easy access to cards, but it is enough that building a commander deck isn't so much of a chore for a lot of people who found drawing cards in white to be a slog rather than something you could actually access with relative ease yeah and i mean coming that that's kind of coming for me i suppose is that i'm actually the kind of guy who thinks hey four to five draws uh ways to draw cards is probably enough right um so so again i'm not going to say i'm a very good deck builder in that way i'm probably quite terrible but you know i own it so yeah, but anyway, it, you do bring up an interesting point, is the fact that we're, we're almost, de- there's almost a toxic deluge, in a way, <laughs> of uh, these kinds of effects. And uh, again, we'll, we definitely will have to wait to see what exactly the impact will be of these going forward. But yeah, it is good to see that White is able to get some fairly conditional, maybe unconditional, uh, depends on what we're going to be seeing here. But, you know, for things like Search the Premises, and whatnot it's rewarding you for playing the game it's not quite saying draw a card but it also allows you to open up some interesting synergies like for instance with the clue tokens that you're going to be generating here well white really likes artifacts at least in the latest set so all of a sudden you're starting to open up new synergies that may not have been available before if you just had or if you just said draw a card on there so just some interesting things i think we need to keep track of is just how clues have always kind of been included in card draw but do have some interesting new synergies as well that kind of go beyond card draw as well and speaking of synergy i wonder if judging from the rest of this spoiler this white card draw that could potentially draw you a card every turn 
is related to tokens because there's quite a few notes about tokens. I'm wondering if tokens are going to be a critical theme in this upcoming set. Let's see here. We have a couple different mentions here from Mark Rosewater on tokens. The first one here being a new drawback for creature tokens that lets us create them cheaper. Do you have any idea what that could be suggesting? I've been kind of trying to work it in my head. Is it an individual card that's creating the drawback? Is it a drawback on all the tokens being produced? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was trying to think about this one too. And it's interesting how, given how popular token strategies are, bringing any kind of drawback to help you create tokens <clears throat> seems like a very white kind of card effect, doesn't it? Is that you're going to be taking, you're sacrificing something in order to be able to create tokens. So this feels kind of like a white card to me, honestly. But as far as what it could be doing, um, maybe, I mean, obviously, typically we end up seeing something like, hey, pay two or something. I, I always call back to my Sigarda deck, for instance, where you have to pay two to be and exile a card from your graveyard to be able to create a human token. So I, I feel like that's kind of the going rate for a cost to create a token on a permanent. So all of a sudden, are we going to be seeing some sort of new, like, discard effect is white? But if this card is white, are we potentially seeing some sort of, like, discard synergy like you have on some, like, black and blue, which have abilities to be able to throw cards or pitch cards away into the graveyard for value? Or, I mean, I... <clears throat> unfortunately, Peter, I think what always ends up hitting me on this one is, like, are they going to bring in Phyrexian mana and then just, no, 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 just no. <laughs> but... It just, I, I think there's different ways to do drawbacks. Again, life may be, I mean, we have seen a lot of interesting life synergies. Again, obviously a big gristle brand is banned in our format, but they came out with that new card in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which I will never remember the name of, which allows you to just draw a boatload of cards through a very interesting yet convoluted kind of way to be able to do that. So I guess I'm just wondering if maybe you're taking the Phyrexian mana bit, but not actually doing that, just making it life loss. You have to pay life to be able to gain tokens. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been trying to come up with some possible ideas that might fit the Innistrad theme a little bit for this one. I think your note earlier about exiling cards from your graveyard to create tokens is something very Innistrad flavored. You mentioned Sigarda. That makes a lot of sense. I also kind of had this idea of you could possibly look at creating a token, but only if you don't have another one of those tokens. So create a 4-4 elemental token if you control no elemental tokens or something. That could allow you to create... Mm -hmm. Rather than a go-wide strategy, I don't know if this kind of drawback would be adopted by a lot of commander players, but it would allow you to create a single token efficiently, but it would prevent you from going wide with that efficient single token. So hmm. perhaps it's possible. an angle to delve into. That might work. Um, kind of going along the token theme, though, that's, that's not the only token that they mentioned. I do have one more thing I, I do want oh, yeah, to... The, the, the kind of just popped in my head. Yeah. Um, in, in the last trip to Innistrad, we did have Westvale Abbey, um, which allowed you to create cleric tokens and then cash those in for Ormondal. 
And I guess I'm just wondering, it wouldn't it be kind of funny again. This is the hey, MJ, you're probably being really stupid with this or, you know, just like really, really weird. But um, <clears throat> what if we potentially had like a weird inverse relationship where you had like a demon or something and you could cash it in to create clerics or thralls or something? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we don't need that demon anymore. Let's just make it into, you know, five one ones or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> just like some weird reverse Westvale Abbey. That'd be interesting, I suppose. You know, kind of like a weird mix of greater good in Westvale Abbey to give yourself an instant board. I don't know. Just flavor-wise, uh, I always feel like Innistrad is something about uh, rituals, something about demons, so it would be kind of funny to see something like that. But it, we're never going to see it. I, I just think it would be kind of funny if we did. I do like the flavor of it, of like a demon exploding and leaving behind a <laughs> bunch of clerics or something <laughs> of that nature. I we have found the Voltron. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. But the other creature token note here that Mark Rosewater gave us was creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 3-3. That's text that is going to appear on a card. So just further kind of reinforcing my idea that there might be a stronger than normal token theme coming out in Innistrad here. Seeing that we have two different cards noting tokens here. That's a lot for a spoiler. Plus you have already your default number of token cards that just make it into every set so mm -hmm. just kind of got my gears turning that maybe there's going to be some sort of token theme to help support Innistrad here yeah definitely there's also the one a couple below that where it says put that many plus one plus one counters on card name then create twice that many two two black zombie creature tokens you wouldn't okay. have that kind of busted ability unless you had some kind of token sub theme which again we have seen from Innistrad before, especially with zombies, especially with spirits. Um, there has definitely been a strong sub-theme in the past. We've seen vampires as well show up in this space. So I, w I definitely agree with you that <clears throat> maybe that 3-3 token thing would be kind of like some weird anthem effect, you know? Obviously, mm -hmm. sounds like a white card in a way, just like... We're going to take all your abilities, your crazy abilities that have nothing to do with anything away, and we're going to all make you the exact same for a power boost. That, that seems like a very white ability to me. Yeah, for sure. We saw in Throne of Eldraine Harmonious Archon, which was a six mana, four white, white, for an Archon that gave you two one ones, and then it made all of your non-human creatures have base power and toughness 3-3, three, three. so... Totally a white ability. Totally something I would expect to see on a white card in Innistrad. Um, though I'm curious how it's going to be flavored. Perhaps um, some sort of angel flavor here. An angel making everything into a 3-3. Kind of trying to unite the humans, but also take away some of their identity. I don't know. I, I'm kind of hypothesizing here a little bit. But Maybe. it definitely sounds like it could be a white card. Oh, it definitely sounds to me like a white card. And given the fact that Innistrad is kind of short on angels and the whole concept of white in general, um, <clears throat> I think we should honestly be seeing something here. Mm -hmm. There's just such a vacuum, in the at least Vorthos-wise. I mean, I, I, I keep telling people, you know, that story from, from Innistrad was pretty messed up, man. Um, but definitely if you just look at it there, there, there is a hole for white right now. 
in, in on Innistrad. So I think that that should be filled by the usual synergies that White has has had in the previous sets, uh, at least in our previous trips to Innistrad. Anyway, uh, speaking of other cards we've seen before, there are a few callbacks to previous Innistrad bits, so I want to pick your brain on these, Peter. So uh, three popular mechanics previously seen on Innistrad return. We're probably going to be seeing flashback. We're probably right. going to be seeing... Um, transform. Oh, yeah, transform, definitely. Oh, obviously transform. <laughs> um, so there's one out there that I'm not sure on because flashback and transform transform was pretty much confirmed by Mark Rosewater earlier today. Sure. And flashback seems extremely likely also partially based on the fact, I believe a popular Innistrad card gets a reprint, probably snapcaster mage. I don't know what your thoughts are. That's the first card I think of when I think of Innistrad that isn't Liliana is snapcaster mage. Well, I mean, I whenever you tell me a popular Innistrad card gets reprinted, I'm, I immediately think of, well, what popular cards have there been on both trips Innistrad? And I want to say reprint Tireless Tracker. Make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> Good card. I have reasons for wanting this. It will become clear in time. But right now, reprint Tireless Tracker. But, uh, yeah, back to your point, though. Um, popular Innistrad card. Yeah, Snapcaster Mage definitely would sound like a good card i mean there, there's definitely some i'm not overly familiar with the original innistrad set unfortunately but uh yeah there i'm sure maybe we could even get uh delver of secrets maybe or i think it's more because the delver of secrets had an expansion onto its story from a card perspective it became in insectile aberration was this flip side it became docent of perfection in shadows so there might be now on our Midnight Hunt or Crimson Vow, there might be a third iteration of Delver of Secrets that kind of gets explored here would be yeah, my Possibly, guess. possibly. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily say... I mean, I, or are, are you reading into this that this would be from the original Innistrad set, or are we thinking, like, it could be a block? I, I want to feel like it's potentially from the block or just from the plane itself, maybe not that set specifically. I don't know. My guess was because it's italicized Innistrad, that means it's from the specific set titled Innistrad. Okay, that's that, fair. Maybe that knocks out Snapcaster. Well, Snap, Snapcaster was Innistrad. Yes, for sure. So Snapcaster would fall into that category of a card from the Innistrad set that comes back. I think that makes sense because I'm fairly confident one of the three popular mechanics is Flashback, Transform, I don't know what the third one could be, MJ. Do you have any idea? I keep trying well, to figure it out. Let's take a look, and I'm, I'm I'm looking at the Innistrad cards right now, trying to find something that's not flashback. There is a lot of flashback here. Um, I heard someone suggest morbid. Morbid would today. morbid would definitely make sense. That's not from Innistrad itself, but I mean the the original the original version anyway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't think it would be Delirium because Delirium had issues as far as complexity and Delirium and Flashback are kind of an awkward mix together. Well, um, Delirium also is really powerful in the various 60 card constructed formats. So correct. I don't know necessarily how, uh, how much Wizards wants to have delirium back in the meta especially like in standard or anything where it has been problematic in the past should, okay okay uh, so to speak here's my 
crazy wild method and at the end of this i'm gonna have to say to myself like right on a chalkboard not to do this thing that i'm about <laughs> to say but what if there was a problematic mechanic in original innistrad that didn't quite work as well as they'd hoped it would work in shadows over innistrad they brought back a mechanic of a similar nature it was problematic it didn't quite work well enough and they tried to bring it back it was called madness yep i'm just thinking about result. that what if now, in our third visit to Innistrad, they bring back a problematic mechanic again. They make the same mistake, and they bring back Fateful Hour and okay. try and revive Fateful Hour as a mechanic. No, Peter, and, no. <laughs> and then I build a Fateful Hour Commander deck. <laughs> and to the chalkboard to write down, do not build a Fateful Hour Mechanic deck. Do not build a Fateful Hour Mechanic deck. I mean, I've I've made it work with Selenia before, so anything's possible. Um, I know it just sounds so much fun, but I, you know, I that sounds. I guess it's not a popular mechanic. Fateful Hour isn't popular, right? I'm like the one person in the world who thinks that. I mean, unless popular. you're unless you're a Death Shadow player, in which case that would be perfect. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's popular enough. No, I don't know. Maybe they're stretching the limits of the word popular. I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like madness is probably not going to return necessarily because again, no. that was very tied in with the story from the last Innistrad trip with the shadows. So in theory, since the Eldrazi are probably not going to be at front and center or at all existent really in the set anymore, I don't really know necessarily how much it's going to do if it would even show up. So. Yeah. This is obvious, MJ. You said it earlier, reprint tireless tracker. Well, if they want to reprint tireless tracker, they have to bring back a really popular mechanic, investigate. Yep. So you bring back investigate, flashback, and transform. That's three really popular mechanics. That's got to be it, right? I, I want my bygone bishop, damn it. Yeah, bygone bishop. Let's go. Yep. Reprint tireless tracker is white. <laughs> every card is white there, there are just so many good cards now that i look at the shadows again just in white so many cards that i run in my own decks i mean obviously i have my archangel avison deck which you know rip avison i suppose but um just so many good pieces here from from that set i i i enjoy that so hopefully they'll not, have some interesting good stuff oh yeah thraben inspector even something like yeah. survive the night which is yep not overly great but hey you investigate it's card draw right i've played it in a deck before absolutely yep it's it, for me it's like one of those like it almost makes the cut like the 104th 105th cards like i really want to put it in there I haven't quite found the right place for it but it will it will happen it's it, it's one of those cards where it's just i i have a couple copies i need to get it in a deck at some point it's too good to to ignore hmm. okay uh, we so uh, the next one that I think we wanted to talk about here, and again, um, we're not quite sure on this one, but Peter, riddle me this. We did talk about this before the show, but a popular tournament card in multiple formats gets reprinted with its fifth piece of art. What do we think it is, and what do you think the ramifications are? Okay, so I know we both came to Thoughtseize in the pre-show. We <laughs> think that there's four pe there's four existing pieces of art we think i believe that there's a secret layer one i mean original. we can check right now right that makes sense right on scryfall uh let's see we have the lorwyn print we have the theros print the amonkhet invocation version and okay. the double masters version so it currently has four printings 
Yeah. It seems wild that they would print Thoughtseize back into Standard again, but they've done it once before. It's one of those cards that warps Standard every time it's present. So it seems kind of scary that they would do that. Snapcaster Mage could also fall into that category. How many arts does Snapcaster Mage have? Uh, I mean, I've got a Zendikar one. Um, I'm, we, but we also talked about Duress, too. Right, yeah. You really, you, you swayed me away from Duress. You want to talk about I, that a little bit? Well, I, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, again, Peter, you did just mention Thoughtseize does warp formats, and at least I don't understand much about Standard, but I do understand that Thoughtseize has always been problematic. I mean, not, not ban-worthy, but in like in Modern, for instance. I hear that Thoughtseize can be a real problem. But again, from what I do understand of Standard, it's in kind of a precarious position at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe after rotation, not so bad. But there's a lot of very popular decks, like uh, the Mill deck, for instance. Demir Mill has been involved, the Rogues deck. Um, just things that I think want to be kind of out there bashing people's heads in. And again, something like Thoughtseize, something like Duress is good for the hand attack. It's good for the control players. And I guess I'm just wondering if, you know, just looking at... Actually, Duress has more than uh, four arts, so that doesn't count for anything. But yeah, so so maybe Thoughtseize, I don't know, but Snapcaster Mage only has the three printings. I have another one for you here. It's also a one-mana black card. It would introduce a new set mechanic, so I'm not sure if it would get in there, but it does have four arts. It is Fatal Push. Fatal Push. Popular tournament card. Fatal Push has a very... I feel like that would be a very resonant name to be reprinted into Innistrad. It doesn't Mm -hmm. say that it's originally from Innistrad, correct? It just says it's a popular tournament card. Yeah, I mean, let's look at Fatal Push right now. Let's see. It was originally... You all prints. Yeah, I mean... Fatal push do do do. Huh, even the, I, I forgot they even had the Yargle art on that right. one. Um, yeah, it's it's entirely possible because we see one, two, three, four different arts. And yes, fatal pushes is pretty solid. I yeah, for some reason I was thinking of tragic slip here, but yeah, fatal push would work too. I think that's why it came to mind. Tragic slip and fatal push fill a similar role of bad removal that not even bad fatal push is good removal even if you don't revolt but conditional removal that becomes better if another condition is met so that's i think why it came to mind the name is very resonant Hmm. perhaps fatal push and then that would indicate that revolt is in the set which is there a revolt that's going to be going on during this wedding the humans revolting against the vampires maybe the the humans are or the humans are fighting back that could be a good reversal of fortune here it's the story so in original innistrad the story is about the humans defending themselves against the monsters then we have the Imrakul storyline and now we're back there's this weird power vacuum and what if now it's the story of the humans or the monsters defending themselves against the humans the vampires have been somewhat crippled um, in Hana, uh, there's the two trackers, the Kessig trackers from yep. Commander Legends. Mm-hmm. They're united with the werewolves, so the humans and werewolves are working together. That's maybe, possible. Maybe I, that I don't know. We're supposed to find Fatal Push. 
find revolt and now we have the story wow that i Am mean I that meme of the guy with like all the strings <laughs> <laughs> like connected <laughs> yeah it seems a little out there but yeah again who knows what the storyline is going to be that's why i kind of want to be surprised see what happens uh going into the pre-release in a couple of weeks and i mean it's and then moving on down the list there's some other interesting stuff here but um we're, we're going to be seeing the number 13 approach again or at least appear again so at the beginning of your end step if you have exactly 13 life Triskaidekaphobia comes to mind obviously which was originally right. from one of these sets so we're going to be seeing some of that kind of dark magic uh, superstition again still showing which just seems more like a flavor thing at this point mm -hmm. yeah and 13 we've already gotten one card spoiled that references 13 it's not this card obviously but 13 is always a popular trope that they like to reintroduce in the Innistrad sets, so not surprising there. Do you want to talk about some of these creature types before we wrap up? Creature types? I mean, the first thing that I see is human soldier werewolf, Audric. <laughs> Ooh, oh my god, that's awesome. That's the first thing that popped in my head is, you know, Audric has had a printing in both the last, in both of the two trips to Innistrad. Oh. What happens if, you know, he gets bitten or something and all of a sudden, you know, he's a lycanthrope. He has the ability to turn into a werewolf. But, you know, given the fact that he was pretty much redeemed at the end of the Shadows block, um, you know, maybe he is, you know, now, you know, like you said, Peter, maybe he has kind of morphed into something a little different like we saw with Arlen maybe, but, you know, without necessarily being out of control, like a lot of the different lycanthropes are, or at least have been in the past, maybe is very under control. I, I, I don't know. Could we have a white werewolf for the first time? Yeah, there's been speculation about if werewolves, what color werewolves are going to be, and if they add a color from red-green, would it be adding white or black is kind of the debate uh people kind of universally agree that blue isn't really a werewolf color mm -hmm. what do you think i leaned personally that it would make more sense to me that black would be the next werewolf color but sure. if you're trying to create this tension between a human werewolf alignment and then vampires well vampires are red black it would make sense that humans uniting with werewolves there would be a white element um we've and the seen blue element the werewolves yeah, we've seen the werewolves have a uh, society and culture. They had a mayor in the original Innistrad, so white kind of fits in naturally there with civilization and government and structure. So, yeah, maybe it is completely reasonable that white would be the additional color for werewolves. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to see. But uh, moving on there, I see plenty of horrors here, Peter. Um, are, do you think we're still going to be seeing some of the, uh, some of the shadows stuff kind of lingering here? Because I don't remember how many horrors showed up in the original Innistrad set, but it wasn't nearly as many, if any. Right. Yeah. And it would make sense. Yeah. We have plant horror, Drake horror. So there's still some after effects, I guess. Emrakul is still in the moon, correct? So yes, there's still just this general Eldrazi-esque presence, um, the two characters I mentioned earlier, whose names, I'm sorry, I still forget, but they're both Kessig trackers. Yeah, uh, let's see, Elena and Helana. Yes, I got Elena it. Elena right. and Helana, perfect. They are both fighting off Eldrazi in their little side story. So 
it makes sense that there's still some Eldrazi running around um, in the world. There's also a demon dog. I mean, that's just a cool creature type, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, they call then... me the demon dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we have, uh, our two legendary creatures that are spoiled here. A legendary ooze again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Lots of oozes. And then obviously a legendary vampire noble. That makes perfect sense. I don't, I don't know if there's too much to glean there, except, you know, Olivia Voldaren naturally fits into that role, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vampire noble. But I, but again, we also have to think about this, that this isn't the vampire set. This is the werewolf oh, right. set. So, you know, I, I, obviously Olivia is not going to have her card probably till Crimson Vow comes out. I mean, there will right. be another card. And I know I did talk about this on a previous episode, kind of just talking about what Soren's up to. But uh, yeah, maybe we see, I mean, maybe the stab in the dark on this one is Anja Falkenrath. Um, you know, I, like that, yes. I mean, having as, as much as I understand the story, as much or as little of the story, there is her quest to try to get her ancestral castle back and, you know, potentially ends up playing a bigger role because she's not really with the other vampires. She's kind of right. a loose cannon. So maybe would end up uh, allying with this weird human werewolf thing if it meant knocking Soren down a peg. Or possibly it's some sort of mini boss if there's a conflict between the werewolves and vampires. Perhaps the Falkenrovs are the first family to fall while the Voldarens and Markov families kind of unite. And we can't forget about the Stromkirks either. But yeah, they're still even... pretty they're still pretty weakened from what I understand, you know, from the card art and whatnot. There's so many vampire families. There is there's four of them. So <laughs> at least at least the main two ones. Higher than I can count. <laughs> but yeah, as far as those those horrors go, yeah, that it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do there. Because again, every time I think of this, I think of uh, it's, it's not Weirding Wood, but um, oh my god, I, I I remember it's the one drop green tree gnarlwood dryad, and mm-hmm. that would suggest delirium would uh, still be in the set. So. I, I guess we have to still look and see if delirium would still be in there. Maybe more maybe more as like a lingering secondary mechanic versus something like flashback, which is obviously going to be in the set. Maybe just a hanger on, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah just uh, just holding on for dear life as uh, these Eldrazi try and survive. All right, Peter. So again, we've had a really good conversation here. So uh, what's your other kind? You have any other crazy? Uh, predictions for this set anything else that stands out from this post or just anything you think of that would just be kind of crazy i mean i think right now is the perfect time to call your shot so let's do it i feel like i've already called so many shots that are also crazy um let's see man is there something wild that could be in this set in white particular that is going crazy. I, I got nothing. I think I'm all in on this. Uh, revolt is going to be in the set, and it's going to be the humans revolting against the monsters. That's okay. That, I think that's my biggest craziest prediction I got. Okay. I, I I'm also looking at the if your life total will be reduced to zero or less. We like, and this may not necessarily be a white card, but I suppose white would be the secondary card that this would fall under. I mean, obviously, black loves these kinds of effects, but 
you know, maybe white would too. I mean, it, it is something about staying alive too. So I don't know. But also you did mention the hippogriff spirit. So let's, right. let's bring that one up really quickly. Yeah. Uh, so the hippogriff, it was Hushwing Griff was in one of the Innistrads. Uh, it's got fantastic artwork. It's one of my favorite artworks in Magic. And it's a sweet white creature that when it is on the field, ETBs don't trigger. Hippogriff Spirit, that kind of paints this picture of they're going to have a callback to this creature that uh, was from the original Innistrad. What is that creature going to do? It could be some sort of hate bear like effect. That's something that I really like to do. But the spirit aspect, perhaps it's getting a little blue added in there. I don't know for sure, but it's. I feel like it's definitely got to be a callback to Hushwing Griff from one of the original Innistrad sets. All right. And again, before we end, I think here at this point, we definitely, as far as the creature that has been, or the character that has been in a short story, I mean, obviously it's, it's already been mentioned, but maybe we'll see the return of the Gitrog monster. I think people would really love that. Yeah, for sure. Monster so, frog. At, at some point here, you know, because it's not broken enough. <laughs> yeah, All right. Okay. So uh, thanks, Peter. It's been great having you on here to talk about Innistrad, talk about all our crazy conspiracy theories, and, you know, just generally uh, hang out and have a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me, MJ. I love doing these. Yeah, and where can people find that deck diary or yours that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, the deck diaries at monowhiteborder.weebly.com. That's where you'll find all my collection of blog posts, and you can follow me at monowhiteborder on Twitter where I'll post a link to the deck diary as well when it's updated. All right, sounds good. And if you want to hear the entire back catalog of the MTG and Quarantine podcast, which you know you do, um, you can find that over on the usual podcast outlets. That is Spotify, Google, Apple, Player, FM, MTG Cast, CastBox, Podcast Addict, and many other podcast outlets. You can also find me over on Twitter at, at MTG and Quarantine. And again, before we wrap up here, I'd like to give another huge shout out to my awesome patrons, Mr. Big Benz and Anomaly for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support me and make so I can make more awesome podcast podcast content like this, you can head on over to patreon.com slash MTG and quarantine for more information. And last but not least, speaking of Innistrad Midnight Hunt. I still have my giveaway available right now till September 3rd for your choice of one of the new Midnight Hunt Commander decks. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, go on over to twitter.com slash quarantine. Go find the giveaway post, follow the instructions, be entered to win. And again, that contest ends on September 3rd, so get your entries in now. And I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast today. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.